Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Bob, it's like 50 degrees in February in Cleveland, so needless to say, life is pretty good. Certainly. It is uh, over 75 degrees here, so I am loving it as well. Uh, also unseasonably warm in Tennessee. Yeah. So I hope everyone uh, that is unaffected by some of the, the seasonal so- snowstorms that are hitting some areas are enjoying this lovely, warm, uh, unseasonably warm February. Uh, it's been fantastic for me so far as well. As long as this isn't a sign that the earth really is getting hotter and we've only got about like 10 more years left, then I'm loving it. But but if it is that sign, then then it can go back to winter. I'm fine with suffering through some cold if it means we, you know, don't all get wiped out like Resident Evil or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the climate is certainly changing. Um but we won't dive into that. We are, as always, talking Cleveland sports on this podcast. And uh, certainly the, the biggest news coming out of Cleveland in the last week uh, broke right after we recorded our, our last episode, actually, is that Kevin Love uh, sat out the last game before the All-Star break and was going to play in the, in the All-Star game. He's out at least six weeks following uh, arthroscopic surgery on his left knee. Um, I believe it's described as exploratory surgery. They're just removing a little bit of mass in the knee, um, not fixing any kind of ligament damage or whatnot. They expect him back in mid-April, which is right around the time J.R. Smith is also expected back for the Cavs. Uh, Chris, this is a, a, another blow, obviously a huge blow. I mean, Kevin Love, the the third part of the big three, but just another number of injuries and depth issues that this Cavs has had the team has had to deal with uh this season uh coming out of this all-star weekend they are three games up uh on the Boston Celtics for that number one seed in the Eastern Conference but that is with LeBron James logging insanely high minutes I think it's a league or second uh, highest league average uh minutes played per game from from LeBron that's not exactly what you want to see Boston is nipping at the bud. Uh, the Wizards have, have righted the ship. They're only five games around. Now Kevin Love is out six weeks. Chris, are, are you inching towards that panic button? Is it time to start worrying about these Cavs? Oh, it's certainly time to start worrying about the Cavs. Uh, not necessarily uh, from a standings perspective, but more from uh, Kevin Love's health. Uh, you know, I, I understand exploratory surgery not as serious as it could have been. It's still surgery on a guy's knee. And and that's very, uh, you know, it's not something you want to go through in the middle of a basketball season. I don't care what his timetable is. Um, What I want to know is when can he get back on the floor, realistically speaking? Will he be able to log a game or two before the playoffs? I don't necessarily think he needs to, but it certainly would help. Um yeah, this is terrible news for the Cavs. Uh, on the heels of the J.R. Smith, you know, he, he, last week we talked about J.R. Smith coming back, getting some workouts in, and now this, you know, just compounding the injury situation. So, yeah, th- this is bad news. This is one-third of the big three down. We saw what happened two years ago when the big three got decimated throughout the playoffs. They got to the NBA Finals. They had a spirited battle with Golden State, but they ultimately lost. 
And the fact of the matter is, in order for the Cavs to beat whoever comes out of the West, be it Golden State, be it San Antonio, be it the Clippers, doesn't matter. They are going to need to be firing on all cylinders if they want to defend their championship. Uh, so, so I definitely think this is a big, big deal. Uh, this isn't just some regular season story. This isn't them losing some regular season game. This could have ramifications throughout the playoffs if he comes back and that knee continues to bother him. Because just because he can get back on the floor doesn't mean he will be 100% recovered from the surgery. So, uh, yeah, this is a significant issue, and I think it does impact their ability to re- repeat as champions. Yeah, it's certainly concerning uh, for all the reasons that you stated Um that all that being said, yeah, Kevin Love went down, Kyrie Irving got hurt, and then ultimately went down. the The only time I'm pressing the panic button for the Cavs is, is if LeBron is hurt and misses time. Uh, prove prove that point two years ago, at, like you alluded to, like I started to talk about, uh, t- willing that Cavs team to the NBA Finals. I, I I don't think that you know. Yes, they are going to lose more games now because Kevin Love is out of the lineup. There are just going to be times where Channing Fry won't be able to, to carry the, the load of the stretch four that, that they're going to ask him to do. But they're going to win enough games to certainly be in the mix for one of those top seeds in the Eastern Conference. I think uh, you, you might want to start adjusting to a reality where the Cavs aren't the number one seed just because you need to get LeBron rest. You need to get Kyrie rest. You can't let uh, the the need to, to finish first in the conference uh, trump that, especially when health has been such a concern for this team. So I, I think you, you uh, should start to, to get comfortable with the idea of not having home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference, which is totally okay. Uh, JR and, and Kevin Love are both set to return before the playoffs begin. Hopefully Kevin Love can get his legs under him in a really quick time. Uh, like you said, hopefully the uh, recovery time includes some time where he's able to put some weight on that knee and is able to work out and he's able to, you know, when that six week timetable is up, uh, hit the ground running and, and excuse me, uh, dive right in and, and be a starter, be the third part, the third piece of that big three. Obviously again, you know, we're, we're in the middle of the end of the trade deadline. I, I imagine the Cavs are going to make a move, not a move to supplant, or to make up for the loss of Kevin Love, but this is a team still slowly coming together for for the season. And now with Kevin Love's setback, with, with J.R. Smith still, uh, you know, on the mend, uh, this is not a, a Cavs team that will be complete in, until a couple weeks before the playoffs. So uh, that is concerning. But uh, I would be more concerned if it were any other team uh, that wasn't led by LeBron James. Uh, LeBron's on this team; they're going to be playoff ready. Uh, even if they aren't the one seed, if they're, say, the three seed, I have no doubt that they will handle that that first-round opponent with ease and, and give some extra time for Kevin Love to get his legs under him as well. I, I think they'll be okay. I, I'm not too worried about this. Like like I said in the beginning, as long as LeBron's on that court, the, the Cavs are uh, one of the top two teams in the NBA. Yeah, well, first and foremost, define panic. To me, panic is their their likelihood of repeating as NBA champions. Because the fact of the matter is, the Eastern Conference is garbage. The Cavs can sustain a loss to one of their big three and still win it in the East. And I'm not trying. And, and yeah, I am disrespecting Boston and Washington 
they're not as good as Cleveland. They're not. They're not even in the same league as Cleveland. As long as Cleveland has uh, most of its players together, I, I don't know if Cleveland can sustain a loss to to Kyrie. On top of that, I don't think LeBron by himself with this team could beat a, a still improved Washington and Boston team. But the fact of the matter is, Bob, I don't care if the Cavs are fifth in the East. They could be fifth in the East. They're not getting home court in the NBA Finals. It doesn't matter. Just rest LeBron, rest Kyrie, manage their minutes, make sure they're healthy, and get them to the playoffs in one piece because they will win the East regardless of home court or not. You saw them sweep Atlanta. How much did home court advantage meet against a 66-win Atlanta team that was extremely overrated because it didn't have a true superstar? Nada, zilch, the Cavs went in there and without without Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving swept the Atlanta Hawks despite their home court advantage. So the fact of the matter is home court does not matter in the Eastern Conference. All the Cavs need to do is be healthy. I don't care if they're the five seed. It doesn't matter. So from that standpoint, no, it's not time to panic. But but if you're talking about the big goal, the only goal that matters, winning another championship, yeah, it's time to panic because you are not beating the Western Conference unless you are at full strength, barring an injury to the team that comes out of the West. Well, I think, I mean, unless there, there's an injury setback on, on the timetable of recovery, I think you're, you're clearly set up for the Cavs to be full strength come June. I I don't, I mean, why, I I don't, I don't quite understand that. But you're assuming that there's not going to be a setback with the knee or the thumb. I mean, Bob, they're, they're just going to come back two weeks before the playoffs at best case scenario. Kevin Love might not even be back. I mean, they're saying mid-April, April April 15th, the playoffs start around April 20th. Kevin Love might not, might have to get his sea legs under him in the first round. So the, the point I'm making here is, I mean, you know, there could be rust. There could be a setback. I, I don't know what's going to happen here. Now, now I'm hoping all things will be good. The timetable looks as optimistic as it can be, but but I'm not just going to shake the fact that these are significant questions surrounding two very critical members of the Cavs' effort to repeat. And so you're right, Bob. It, it still could work out. There's a lot that that could happen positively. But but I also think it could go the other way. So I guess it's just a matter of ha- are you a glass half full or glass half empty kind of guy. I- I'm kind of looking at it from a concerned perspective that, I-, I mean, will this Cavs team be able to make it to the NBA Finals and still have their entire team intact or at least enough of it to, to contend with whoever comes out of the West? And, and I think that is a legitimate concern. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of that. I, I don't think that these, neither of these injuries seem to be, I understand that it's a, it's a surgery on a knee, but it's just to remove a small piece. It doesn't sound totally invasive. It doesn't sound very damaging. You know, a thumb injury to J.R. Smith, that I'm not too worried about that as well. Six weeks out from Valentine's Day, that would be March 28th. Uh, so that, that gives Kevin Love, if he hits that timetable, two and a half weeks for, for the April 15th playoff date start. I, I'm, not, I'm not worried. This injury does not have me worried at all. Um, yes, I, I understand that setbacks can happen just like more injuries can happen. Um, but if this is the worst that the Cavs are going to get uh, from this season, I, I'm not worried at all. Well, we'll see. I mean, look, look it, again, I think it all depends on how you define panic. I, I don't. I would not constitute a season where a team reaches the NBA Finals a failure of any any means, no, regardless of what the expectations are. So even if the Cavs get back to the Finals, I, I do think it's still a success because I, I, I think even if they were full health, strength 
and not dealing with any injuries, best case scenario, you are looking at a coin flip unless there's a mega upset in the West, which which I just don't see happening. I think no matter what happens between the Clippers, Spurs, and the uh, Warriors, and even the Rockets, uh, those teams are not going to be easy to beat in the West in the in the NBA Finals. I I, I think the Eastern teams are all beneath those four teams in the West. I do think the Cavs should still handle the East with relative ease, but it, it, I'm looking at the big picture, NBA Finals wise, uh, any kind of setback, uh, and, and, and it jeopardizes your chance at winning another champion. Very true. I, I will acknowledge that point for sure. Um, we'll, we'll definitely keep you posted on injury updates. Uh, hopefully, J.R. Smith and Kevin Love continue to to heal and, and hit their timetables for, for return, 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 return for a playoff run. That is uh, only what we hope. Kevin Love did miss the All Star game, which occurred over the weekend. Obviously, three point contest uh, and a slam dunk contest weekend as well. Um, the Cavs still had two active players in, in the game itself, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, both starting uh, for, for the East and put up fine totals. Kyrie Irving finishing second uh, in the three-point contest. I mean, another fine showing from our Cleveland Cavaliers, but Anthony Davis, the hometown all-star in, in New Orleans, came away with the uh, NBA all-star MVP with a stat line of 52 points, 10 rebounds, and two steals. Uh, zero assists though I, I watched a highlight um, I think he got 20 of those points off of dunks maybe maybe more um, I did watch a little bit of it and you know no defense at all a score of 192 for the west 182 from the east <laughs> just it's just ridiculous yeah. it's like you're playing NBA yeah, jam I mean, these guys were dunking from the, the free throw line and there was no resistance in the post <laughs> You know, they just stopped and would watch them do some ridiculous dunks. All in all, a very entertaining weekend. I mean, I was in and out uh, watching some of the stuff. Chris, did you get a chance to watch anything, uh, any takes on on the festivities? Uh, not really. I, I did not get to watch much. On Saturday, I was covering a basketball game. I was covering uh, one of the best teams in Northeast Ohio, the Rain High um, against North Ridgeville. Uh, so that was actually a pretty fun game. I had, there was one kid in that game who was killing it from three-point land he was like seven of 11 hitting it from like 10 feet off the arc uh but but Lorraine went on the win uh anyway uh sidetrack aside I mean other stat lines that jump out at me aside from Anthony Davis is uh Kevin Durant 10 assists 10 rebounds 21 points a triple double for him uh Giannis the Greek freak I'm not even gonna try to say his last name I just call him the Greek freak cool nickname uh, 30 points, uh, six rebounds, uh, three steals. I mean, the guy's like six. What's with the big men getting all these steals, man? You got Anthony Davis with two, Giannis with three. I mean, it, the, this era of these uh, just really well, dynamic, athletic big men. Uh, is, well, uh, if you watch the All Star game, there was a lot of lazy inbound passes from when somebody made a made a bucket. You know, you would just <laughs> grab it and and toss it to the first guy you saw. And so if you wanted to be a jerk during the contest, you would intercept that and then go for an easy dunk. And I, you know, I watched the first half and that, that happened maybe five or six times. But I mean, Kyrie Irving, 14 assists as well. So, so fill in the stat sheets there for Irving. He also had seven rebounds. Uh, so pretty good. Actually, Kyrie Irving led the East in rebounds with seven. Just realizing that. Nobody on the East had 10 rebounds. Kyrie Irving had seven rebounds. Yeah, That's well, pretty crazy. people weren't really missing shots <laughs> that, uh, on that night. Uh, only eight I mean, free throws taken true. as well, so not a lot of fouls going on. 
Wouldn't that be funny if someone fouled out of the All-Star game? I think Draymond Green could do that. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, if he got mad enough, I'm, I'm certain that he would. Uh, let's see. I think Steph led the 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 night with three personal fouls. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. The, the All Star game's fun. Uh, it, it's cool to see some of the tricks they do. You know, you said Kevin Durant had ten assists. One of those was an alley oop to Russell Westbrook for for a slam dunk. Uh, a lot of hoopla was made over that move. Um, you know, it, it was fun, but it is certainly like watching the Harlem Globetrotters play. Uh, they just Westbrook had forty-one yeah, off the bench. Yeah, too. for sure. Um, the slam dunk contest, I, I did watch that whole thing. Probably the the lamest slam dunk contest I've seen that that I can remember. All they want to do is jump over people, and it just what I, I I was not impressed by a single dunk that I saw that night. I am so done with the slam dunk contest. Just just kill the thing, get rid of it. They they won't because people like it. What I'm sick of, and I didn't watch that at all. I'm sick of every dunk getting a ten. I'm sick of that. The the one year last year I watched it, and Shaq actually wouldn't give people a ten, and people were booing him. But he had a good point. He said, "If you can't get it on the first try, you don't get a ten from me." And I like that. I like that a lot. That that he actually judged it a little bit instead of just handing out tens like you know flyers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, this year, not so many tens were given out. A couple were, um, and those were certainly the the best dunks of the night. But I, it was just kind of disappointing. Nothing really got got my attention. Uh, so. I don't know. It's a fun all-star weekend. I, I I like baseball the best, but NBA puts on a good show with the dunk contest and the three-point shootout. It, it's fun. I definitely like the three-point shootout. I'm, I'm a little bummed I missed that because um, it, it came down to the wire. I mean, Kyrie Irving had to go to a shoot-off. Uh, he lost, but uh, it was pretty cool. I'm just glad the Splash Brothers weren't involved in that final. That was pretty sweet. Right. Well, Steph didn't participate. It was just Clay. Still glad he but, wasn't yeah, losing. <laughs> but Kyrie, yeah, he did lose to Eric Gordon. That that was fun in the end for sure. Well, the uh, trade deadline uh, for the NBA is heating up. Uh, tw- February twenty fourth is the uh, the mark for that. One of the All Stars in New Orleans was basically told to to stick around. Uh, Demarcus Cousins, long embattled Sacramento Kings center, one of the best centers in, in the NBA traded to the New Orleans Pelicans right after uh, the the All-Star game concluded for uh, a first-round draft pick, a second-round draft pick, Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, and Langston Galloway. So now the Pelicans have Cousins and Anthony Davis going together in the front court. Uh, instantly, I mean, I can't think of another front court that, that can offer that. Instantly the best front court. Uh, the question is who can get them the ball. That, that might be a little bit difficult, but Chris... Uh, the DeMarcus Cousins saga has uh, turned the page onto a new chapter. He's heading to the Pelicans. I am pretty shocked at, uh, at this move for, for a number of reasons, but what, what are you thinking about this one? Well, let's look at it from New Orleans' perspective. They're only two and a half games out of the eight seed. Now they're nine games out of the seven seed. So I'm thinking that their only real shot at the playoffs, even with this newly founded front court, uh, will be limping in as the eight seed which kind of stinks if you're the one seed because that's a little underrated of an eight seed there. Um, but as you alluded to, they still need help in the backcourt. 
Um, I, I do think they have a very formidable front court, but they're still missing kind of a point guard or a swingman or, or someone in that backcourt who can help them out there. But when you look at the teams in contention, obviously the Kings, who were one and a half games out of that final spot, probably aren't going to be hanging around very long because they just traded their best player. The Trailblazers underachieving still could be a threat. I like either the Pelicans or the Blazers getting that. I'm not quite sold on the Nuggets just yet. But uh, certainly this this makes things intriguing in the Western Conference. Uh, looking at it from Sacramento's perspective, you know I know a lot of people are kind of bashing the package they got. They got a pick that could wind up in the top 10 if New Orleans misses the playoffs. And they did get Buddy Heald, who I thought was one of the more intriguing prospects coming out of college. Uh, so, so I don't think it was a terrible package, um, just given the way... NBA teams value things. I, I don't know if you could have gotten much more for DeMarcus Cousins. Um, it's easy to sit there and say that Cousins is worth more, but you still have to have someone willing to give you that other superstar or something like that. Uh, it, it, it's never fun to sell a player because you're you're kind of diving into the unknown. So it's sort of a to-be-determined to see if Heald will pan out, to see if that draft pick amounts to anything. But... Um, you know, it definitely ends a long and uh, trying saga in Sacramento for uh, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Well, I, I think the, the, the return uh, in and of itself is a little bit questionable. Uh, two role players, Buddy Heald, who, yes, was, was taken with the sixth pick uh, in last year's draft, certainly one of the most productive college players uh, that, that we've seen in, in, in a while. But he is 23 and, and will be 24 next year that, uh, you know, just for perspective, he's the same age as a guy like Andre Drummond. So, you know, a lot of people think that the ceiling is is capped with, with a guy like Buddy Heald. So there's some question marks there. And only two draft picks, one of which is a second round pick this upcoming year. I, I find that that is just a, a very small return for what is, yes, DeMarcus Cousins' attitude issues, locker room issues. But when he's on, he is... He could be the best player in the NBA. And he's teaming up now with Anthony Davis, who I think also could be the best player in the NBA at any point. I mean, I, I think that you, you could have gotten so much more. And when you combine some of the, the, the rumors that are circulating with this deal, one, that the Pelicans offered this very same package to the 76ers minus Buddy Heald for Jaleel Okafor, and the 76ers said, no, that's not enough. That's not enough for, for Jaleel Okafor. Uh, you know, a rookie, or not uh, not a rookie, but a guy on a rookie contract uh, has a little bit more value. Uh, I mean, it just seems like the, the, the Kings didn't know how to value DeMarcus Cousins in the market. Uh, and now today, uh, Vladi Divac, the, the GM for, for the Kings, gave an interview and said and admitted that two days ago they had a better deal on the table for DeMarcus Cousins and turned it down. So I, I, I can't imagine that the Kings got maximum value for the Cousins. And then you also uh, consider that the Boston Celtics for, for about two and a half years have circulated. DeMarcus Cousins have had varying levels of interest. The, the rumors have always been there. They've been about as persistent as Kevin Love to Boston. Uh, if this was the value to get DeMarcus Cousins and the Celtics didn't pull that trigger or were unaware, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't imagine that the Celtics wouldn't be willing to offer a similar package, and they certainly have the, the abundance of, of intriguing role players and the abundance of 
stockpile draft picks to make that move happen. So I, I'm shocked that Cousins is, is in New Orleans. I think that's a really intriguing front court. And, you know, the Kings, you know, we talked about the worst run uh, organizations in, in all of sports a, a few podcasts ago. The Kings are, are making a name for themselves. And I think that this deal uh, certainly does not help them in, in that light. Uh, one thing that's been lost in this deal is that Tyreek Evans is going back to Sacramento. I think that's kind of funny. Um, but, okay, so so if, if it's true that Divac had a better offer for Cousins on the table two days ago, then, yeah, that's obviously not good at all. Um, and, and that's yeah, straight from, I mean, that's there were straight a lot from of rumors his, from his mouth. Yeah, and I understand it. If if he's admitting to that, then that's certainly not good. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, you you know what I'm saying. I don't know if that was from Boston or not. I have no idea what the team was. Um, and yeah, I, I don't understand why you get if you get a package from New Orleans, maybe you say, hey, Boston, we got this. We're trading him. I mean, I feel like any time you're trying to trade someone, Boston should be on your speed dial just because of all the assets they have. I, I understand that. But at the same time, I mean, I, I don't necessarily I, – I, I get it. It could have been better. It may have been better, if, and especially if turned down a better offer. It, you know, isn't good. But at the same time, I liked Buddy Heald in college, and I get it. He's an older prospect, but he's still only playing one year in the NBA. I'm going to give him some time to develop. And it's hard to truly evaluate a trade. I mean, if that pick that they got turns into someone really good, uh, it, you could change the value. And on top of that, what if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't resign with New Orleans? What if he was going to leave Sacramento? What if they knew some things? I, I, I just think it's it's one of those trades where time will tell. I think, I think all trades get kind of overrated or underrated the moment they happen. Who knows if he's going to work out in New Orleans? Who knows if he was going to stay in Sacramento? I, I just I just want to wait for things to kind of play out and see how the assets that Sacramento got develop and see what New Orleans does now that it has another superstar to pair with um, Anthony Davis. Yeah, I, I mean you're totally right. They 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 got a, they got a couple of draft picks. They got a, a, a rookie and Buddy Heald. Certainly, it, it can pan out, and you know they can hose, They can turn out to, to have hosed the Kings if they hit on those draft picks and develop them right. Um, but you know, as the NBA shows, you need an abundance of those picks to to potentially hit on somebody if you're not drafting in you know the top five or the, or, or, or even the top three in some of those drafts. So I, I just think that the the Kings could have gotten a much larger return to uh, you know potentially get even more, a more return on their investment or a, a higher likelihood of, of landing the next star uh, with more draft pick compensation or with a more uh, blended combination of, of young talent, not just a couple, you know, at this point, I, I understand Tyreek Evans was rookie of the year at, at one point, but you know, he, he's a role player at this point. And I don't think that, I, I think the Kings could, could have gotten a, a much stronger, higher value if, if they just played, played it right. And I, I think that the Kings, the, their decision making kind of goes on on the whim and changes uh, from week to week, really. And, and I think they, you know, to the end, they they did not know exactly how to handle a, a superstar like Demarcus Cousins. Uh, yeah, I wasn't saying Tyreek Evans was a was a star anymore. Uh, obviously, r- was a very promising. I thought he was going to be a star when he won Rookie of the Year, but um, 
kind of kind of fell into some you know just a lot of stuff can happen between year one and now and and you you're certainly right he's a role player now I just think it's funny that his career is coming full circle and he's going back to Sacramento yeah that certainly is is pretty funny back to where he won rookie of the year um yeah I, I thought Tyreek Evans would have been a, a better player than what he was but um, it's not not to say that he doesn't have some some left or some contributions, but um, there there was another deal struck uh, previous to the Demarcus Cousins trade. Serge Ibaka uh, for, from the Orlando Magic being sent to the Toronto Raptors. Tri- uh, the Raptors sending Terrence Ross in a first round draft pick back to the Magic. I mean, Chris, I, not to 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 harp on, on the Demarcus Cousins trade, but the Raptors in the market for a big man willing to give up a first round draft pick. I don't see the Pelicans giving up that much more where they could have not gotten cousins themselves for the Raptors. Um, that That's just my take. Uh, I, I do think Ibaka going to the Raptors makes the Raptors uh, much more competent in the front court and, and kind of makes up if Jonas Valanciunas goes down uh, in terms of a, a starting center. Um, Chris, are, are, does that make the Raptors even more of a contender to, to, to go toe-to-toe with the Cavs come playoff time? Uh, certainly helps, especially if the Cavs aren't at 100%. Uh, Serge Ibaka is a very talented swing man, um, can definitely uh, play some defense against Kevin Love, um, and I certainly think that that's going to help them. Uh, and I think that that front court is one to be reckoned with with Valanciunas under center, and they have two dynamic guards. So, yeah, I do think the Raptors are a bigger threat than they were. I, I'm not overly concerned. Look, I, I do think the East has improved. I think the, the Wizards and Raptors and Celtics have all gotten better, and the gap isn't as big, but it is still a pretty wide gulf, though I do think the Cavs might not be able to sustain 2015-level injuries and still win the East. Um, I, I do think that the Cavs are... Um, significantly better than any other team in the east right now um but they're just knocking on wood uh one more injury away from uh you know really having to panic and uh and and, and again i'm not trying to oversell it i understand jr and kevin love will be back before the playoffs or at least are supposed to be but um you know it it is you know certainly the east is the east is getting better um, I do think I maybe, and, and, and I'm just thinking back to earlier in the podcast when I said it was garbage, uh, I maybe overstated things there um, because I do think the East is getting better, but I, I just think that there is a wide gulf between the Cavs and everyone else. Yeah, I, I mean, Serge Ibaka, sometimes I wonder if, you know, we changed his name and talked about this deal, but kept all his stats, we would think that it was just as impactful. Admittedly, he is certainly averaging... Or, or tying a career high in points per game at 15.1, but he's down to 1.6 blocks per game. Uh, this is a guy that led the league two years in a row uh, in his third and fourth year with Oklahoma City with 3.7 and 3.0 blocks per game, and that number has just steadily declined at, along with his rebounding totals. So this is certainly a player that, you know, for what we remember of Serge Ibaka uh, at his peak at, at his best from what we've seen was a defensive force uh, a rebounder uh, a low post intimidator um, and, and that has, has certainly been in regression over the last few years so yes I, I do think the Raptors are, are better off with him on the team but I don't think it that it uh, is really going to shake anything's up or, or tip the balance one way or another in the east just an aside um, I'm looking at the standings the Brooklyn Nets are an awful team and you want to know the thing is, 
they don't have their draft pick for the next two years. Now, now technically they have a draft pick this year, but there's no way Boston isn't going to pull that swap. They have the right to swap with Brooklyn this year. Worst case scenario, they're swapping from like 20s or 25th overall to number four overall, and that's assuming the Nets uh, don't hit the lottery. So yeah, Boston is has... <laughs> Boston's going to have a top five pick this year, and next year the Nets already gave them their pick outright. So if you're Brooklyn, you're terrible, and there's no hope in sight. Yeah, that that trade for, for Garnett and Pierce and, and Jason Terry will go down as probably the worst basketball trade of the 21st century. In the post-Ted yeah. Stippian era. For, from a, a Brooklyn standpoint, obviously Boston is reaping those benefits which again goes back to why why couldn't they just give them the give the Kings the Brooklyn pick and 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 add in a guy and and they would have had DeMarcus Cousins um I don't know I I I I'm I'm still hung up on on that boogie deal I, I know you don't think it's much but I don't know <laughs> I, I do think one important factor is that the Kings rated Buddy Heald number 2 on their draft board I do think they were really high on Buddy Heald and I think they may value him more than most people do. I do think I think that that probably played into it. Yeah, I I mean I I I, I don't know what else would have played into it. They, clearly, they they valued him quite highly to to make that deal for sure. Time will tell. Time certainly, will tell. Certainly so. Well, we will uh, recap the rest of the NBA trade deadline uh, next podcast. Again, February twenty fourth is the official deadline. I'm sure that the Cavs will be involved in some way. Uh, not sure if it's going to be on a Demarcus Cousins level. I, I, I probably not, but we'll certainly recap all the deals and, and the impact it, it makes on the Cavs postseason race. Uh, we're going to turn to the news now uh, with the uh, with the rest of our hometown teams. Grady Sizemore, uh, Cleveland Indian from 2004 to 2011, a, a great Cleveland Indian. Uh, and could have been even better if not for some injuries. Returning to the Cleveland Indians front office as an advisor is going to work in spring training and then go work with the minor league camp in March. I mean, Chris, it's it's good when these guys come back. I, I have no ill feelings towards Grady Sizemore at all, one of my favorite players uh, of that era. Certainly nice to have him back in the clubhouse. No, I have no ill will towards him either. It's not like he left or anything. He got hurt. He got. I mean, he was, he was on his way to being a superstar, and then injuries just crushed him. Uh, if anything, he should be in Michael Brantley's corner right now telling him what not to do. <laughs> and, I mean, assuming that luck didn't play into it or just saying, hey, look, man, here's, you know, because they're kind of going through a similar thing. You know, My- Michael Brantley on his way to being a really strong player. He was top three in MVP a couple years ago. And then that shoulder has just been nagging him crushed his 2016 season so hopefully you know that can help having a guy who's gone through something similar uh in his corner but yeah I love it when when the old Cleveland Indians come back to be involved with the franchise I love having Sandy Alomar as a coach under uh Terry Francona's staff uh you know it pains me to see Omar Vizquel up in Detroit last year uh coaching with them uh so so yeah I love it when the, when the the old veterans uh come back and are still involved with the franchise yeah. it's great uh, from 05 to 08, Sizemore averaged 281 batting average, 27 home runs, 81 RBIs, 116 runs, 41 doubles, and 29 stolen bases. I mean, he was certainly one of the best. Pretty and, good. Uh, didn't suffer a shoulder shoulder injury like like Brantley. Uh, it was more his knees that gave out. But um, there was a time where he was 
one of the most exciting baseball players in, uh, in, in the entire league. I remember when he stole home. Uh, he's the last player I remember stealing home, um, at least for the Indians. And then I, I just remember when Granderson, Curtis Granderson, was in in Detroit. It was Sizemore versus Granderson because those two guys were were two of the best explosive center fielders all around, play, center fielders in the game. And it was kind of a fun debate to add to what's what's kind of a fun rivalry. Yeah, definitely. Uh, turning the eye to Mac basketball, uh, your alma mater, Kent State, beating what looks to be the the, the giant uh, Akron in a rivalry game. Uh, Chris, I'll let you talk about that one. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I always love it when Kent beats Akron. Huge rivalry. Uh, the Golden Flashes, though, seven and seven in the MAC, fifteen and twelve overall. They're gonna have to win the MAC tournament, and this loss by Akron all but ensures that the only way they're gonna get in, even though they're twenty-two and five. 12 and 2 in the MAC is by winning that MAC tournament. So, uh, you know, I remember a couple weeks back we were talking, Bob, that they only had three losses. They were riding that long winning streak. They were undefeated in the MAC, and they were still only like a 13 seed. So, you know, at that point, you know, adding two losses doesn't help their case. I, I don't think they're going to get an at-large bid. So, so pretty much the MAC's going to be a one-bid team. Akron certainly the favorite, but as you can see. Um, you know, they're not invincible and, and, and the Mac is a very gritty tournament to watch because all these teams know that that this is their only shot at getting to the big dance. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we've talked about that a couple of times here on, on the podcast. Uh, we've also talked about how state basketball uh, a, a number of times never has been uh, too good uh, or not not very positive this year for, for OSU basketball currently on a three game losing streak sitting. Uh, second to dead last in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, only Rutgers has a worse uh, record than Ohio State in, in Big Ten basketball standings right now. Uh, Chris, I mean, this is the, the norm for, for, for the Buckeyes this year. We, we've talked about it a couple times, but certainly not uh, a season that they are going to remember. No, certainly not. Um, it, it's been the second kind of down season in a row for them. Um you know, we, we've talked a little bit about that, Mata. I, I don't think – I think he's had so much success that, that he's not going to be on the hot seat. Um, they're going to give him a chance to turn it around. But, but yeah, it's disappointing because Ohio State has been kind of on a resurgence ever since that Mata got there um, from 2006 until 2014 – or, no, excuse me, 15. Um, but but the last couple of years, it's been, it's been tough, and uh, they've definitely struggled um, this year being easily his worst season. Um so so yeah, I mean, but but like I said, you know, things things happen, things go up and down. Uh, one guy told me, hey, you know, remember Billy Donovan? You know, after his back-to-back national championships, they struggled for a couple years, and then he was in the Elite Eight two or three years in a row, got him back. So uh, you know, these things happen. It's an ebb and flow. Um, but yeah, it's always disappointing to see Ohio State struggle. Yeah, certainly. Well, March Madness is right around the corner. We're about two weeks away from conference tournaments, and then you know the big tournament. Uh, happens right after that so we'll definitely ramp up our coverage of that and and as the tournament gets closer and and keep you covered shout out to worcester baby d3 tournaments start this weekend the conference tournament that is they're the number two seed in their conference go scott there you go um but all in all chris i mean this was uh you know leading into this podcast we had uh really sparse on, on the headlines i mean demarcus cousins certainly spiced it up there but um, a very slow headline week, so we thought that we would take the remainder of our time on this podcast and 
make up a headline and, and something that we want to see in the next coming weeks that we can discuss, uh, hopefully good news for, for our hometown teams or, or whatnot. So Chris, what, what do you want to see, uh, in the world of sports coming out uh what's your headline my headline's kind of silly nba announces changes to all-star rules it's ridiculous that a coach can't coach the team two years in a row tyrone Lou, man he got robbed he was the best coach in the eastern conference he should be coaching the all-star game i and look brad stevens whatever whatever your opinions on him that's fine but he had the number two record the the coach with the best record should get to coach. What? You, we're going to say, oh, LeBron James can't play in the All-Star game two years in a row, even though he's the best player in the NBA. We got to give someone else who's not as good a chance? No. Number one record, number one coach, send the best to the All-Star game. It's garbage. Tyrone Lewis should have been there. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, that's just a, a, an odd rule. I, I didn't realize that was in place until I saw Brad Stevens be introduced uh, on Sunday. Um yeah, kind of strange. I, I would certainly like to see Tyron Liu coach multiple all-star games. I think that's his right and his deserved. Certainly. So that's my headline. NBA should change that yeah. rule. It's just a dumb yeah, rule. I, I agree with that. Well, my headline is a little bit more steeped in fantasy, but it is playing off of the upcoming NBA tread deadline and rumors that will not die that the Cavs have a marginal interest in getting Carmelo Anthony in a Cavs uniform without giving up Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, or LeBron James. So my headline uh, is New York Knicks trade Carmelo Anthony the Cavs for James Jones and DeAndre Liggins. Uh, completely, I, I tried <laughs> running it through the trade deadline uh, right before we started this podcast. Completely infeasible. I would need about uh, $22 million more million in cap space to, to juggle around. Um, about as infeasible uh, as... The, the odds uh, of Carmelo actually playing for the Cavs this season, but it is wishful thinking. And with Kevin Love being down, uh, you know, the, the Cavs do need a little bit of a boost, and, and Anthony would certainly be that. I don't think it's possible to trade for Carmelo Anthony without giving up one of the big three. Uh, but, but I like your wishful thinking, and let's just say this. If Griffin can pull that one off, and he still doesn't win NBA Exec of the Year. Something is super wrong, man. Something is super wrong. But if there's one GM who can do something ridiculous like that, it is Griffin. So uh, we'll see what kind of magic he has up his sleeve. I, I, my, my expectations for the trade deadline are not high. I think at best they um, are able to swing a, 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 you know, for a swingman depth guys off the bench. But I honestly think they're just going to wait for the dust to clear and, and take advantage of the buyout. I think that's why they're keeping some of these roster spots open as long as they have is to keep uh, take advantage of the uh, buyout phase afterwards and maybe get some guys who fall through the cracks. Yes. The, the only exception, uh, and, and I'm not either for or against this unless I know what they get in return, is Iman Shumper is, is entering the prime of his career, is playing the best basketball of his life, and does have a, a quite an affordable contract that would help mitigate some of the, the cap space because he's getting paid $9 million, which in, in the bloated cap isn't a whole lot, but for the Cavs, it allows some flexibility to, to take on more assets. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to do it, but with Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith on the roster, if they can turn Iman Shumpert into two contributing role players or, or package him into something else that that would be intriguing but short of that I, I agree with you I think that they are going to be buyout players uh and, and not make uh too much noise in, in the trade deadline hey if you throw Trump into your trade you're still like 13 million away I tried it didn't work <laughs> 
Oh man, Bob. Well, but like I said, that that would be the mother of all trades if that happened. But but I I think you're wishing for the stars there a little bit. Oh, for sure. It is completely fantasy, but I I, I can dream. And there are still four days for for Griff to figure out how to make that work. Hey man, dream big. That's what they say. But all righty, man. We 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 didn't have too much in this podcast just because it was kind of a light news week. But we still got a lot of good material in there. We you know we're not we're trying not to oversell the panic on the Cavs. And I know that coming from me, the guy who's driving the panic train. But uh, you know it's certainly concerning that two of their big guys are injured. But we will find out what happens at the trade deadline if the Cavs can improve themselves, and of course the NFL Combine huge day coming up for the Browns. This is like their Super Bowl where they see what players they what what the best players are, and then they proceed not to draft them. But we'll talk about all of that next week on another episode of Clay Talk. Come back to FenleyRoadSports.com. You can catch up on our old episodes. Please subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. Just search Fenley Road Sports and click Clay Talk, or you can click the iTunes icon in the corner of our website and go there directly to our Clay Talk page on iTunes because we're making it easier for you. You can also search Fenley Road Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there for updates. We thank you for your support. Hope you come back next week. And until then, go Cavs. Get that Bob fantasy deal done. That would be awesome. But if not, just improve the team. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Go Cavs. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, Chris. All right, man. See you later, Bob.